0: Welcome back to the Staff & Graph Podcast, and I'm Mike Stevens, and sitting virtually across from me is not the future first GM in NH- uh, female GM in NHL history, Rachel Dory, but it is Sportsnet's Chris Johnston. Chris, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm great. I'm, I'm just happy to know the f- future first and uh, female GM in NHL history, so
0: it's great. glad to sit in for Rachel. I just hope that she still chooses to know us after she ascends to that level, because I feel like it's going to be, you know, she's going to get too big for her britches. We got to make sure that... That tamps down a little bit. Well, it's
1: been my experience that people start working for teams; they seem to forget your phone number, so exactly, or, they, or maybe don't respond with the same verve as they once did.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, let's just hop right into headlines. I guess it's a Leafs game day. You're a busy man, far busier than I. So let's let's get this going. So number one is it, it it's it's gotten to the point where it's almost masochistic to talk about them. But the Buffalo Sabers, it was released today that they fired another scout. They have six now for context. The Leafs have 13. Um, That's pretty ridiculous in my opinion. Uh, Do you know anything about this or what are your thoughts? Like just anything really. It's actually crazy how that organization,
1: like where it's at right now. I mean, if if you even go back to the hiring of, of, you know, Kevin Adams as their GM. I mean, they cleaned up the front office then, you know, he, he didn't initially have an assistant GM. I know he's in the process of adding one and we expect him to hire Jason Carmanos, but I mean, even leaving aside the fact that he has very little direct front office experience, to not insulate him with people that do, uh, you know, is it's a tough spot, you know, especially when you have a season that goes this wrong, uh, as it has for Buffalo. I mean, look, we can imagine them not having a great year. We can imagine missing the playoffs. I, I don't think I could imagine them losing 17 straight games.
0: Yes, and they lost 17 straight games. They did not win 17 straight games. This is sticking in my craw. This is tough. Like, it's not a win. There's no purgatory here. It's a losing streak.
1: Right. Hmm. Well, they got a couple points along the way, I guess. It's, it's, hey,
0: good for them. They did but, it. But, you know, like, this is this is a
1: disaster. And this would be a test of anyone who's been through it. But, you know, Kevin is a first-time GM. And the fact that they're getting smaller rather than than bigger, I mean, I do think that there is a fine spot with these organizations. Sometimes you can grow too large, and you don't know exactly what everyone does, and, and communication doesn't work so well. But you know, they just don't have a lot of people to lean on, and it's it's still an important time. I mean, you know, we've already seen them make an Eric Stall trade. They're, they're obviously going to try to make a couple more before the deadline, and then. Even on the other side of that, they're, they're still gonna have to make decisions and and you know how they draft will be important. And and so I don't have any specific knowledge into the, the 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 scout restructuring that's happened today, but I think if we look what's happened in the last six months, I mean it's it's an unusual trend that Bucks convention and and I would suggest partly explains how they found themselves here.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to think so, but just it just seems like first of all, they thought they were in win now mode. Like we have, we now all have that that, sort, that uh, I guess, behind-the-scenes audio of Kevin Adams going, like, signing this guy, like, we're not trying to, you know, make the playoffs, we're trying to win the cup, like, talking about Taylor Hall, and yet, here they are, like, this is, like I said, it's masochistic to talk about them, this is, I've never seen a team go through something like this, like, a non-expansion team at least, and even then, there's, like, in the back of your mind, they go, alright, well, we don't, like, no one really expected us to be that good, so, like, whatever, but this is, the, everything that went wrong could have gone wrong, and we'll get to them a little bit in our, in our trade deadline talk, but in a, for a team that is just, I guess, looking to – for a team that's not in a in a win-now position, a team that's going to have to build to the future and has already failed to develop so many different of their own internal talents, what possible sense could it make to let a scout go, especially at this time? Unless there's more to the story, mm.
1: you know, on the surface, it doesn't make sense. It, it, unless, you know, it's more just to do with, okay, we're going to hire these three other scouts and and it's getting certain people in place, you know, people like the Kevin Adams, for example – you we've know, we've seen that happen. You know, quite often. You know, the Leafs fired a whole bunch of scouts way back when. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Brendan Shanahan first sort of took over, and then they started remaking the front office with with people that that you know they were comfortable working with. I mean, I think that's normal business action, but it doesn't seem like that's necessarily what's going on in Buffalo. You know, this is also. I mean, it's funny because we want to look through the same lens. I'm I'm like this too when we're yeah. watching sports, but this is still a pandemic, right? And there's going to be things that come out of this. For all organizations that maybe we haven't yet seen, you know, I think that the idea that that they're really being squeezed from a cash standpoint, you know, that that seems to maybe explain some of what mm. happened, especially last summer. You know, not necessarily with this specific scout instance, but you know, they they seem to be spending less money and trying to do it on the cheap. And and man, they got so far to go now. I yeah. Mean, that That's the thing. Like, the closest comparable, when you're saying, like, you haven't seen this, like, I was thinking of, like, Edmonton, right, where they had that run of first overall picks and didn't really, but they didn't crater back to the bottom of the league in the middle of that. Exactly. And then they did get Connor McDavid. I guess that's the one thing maybe that, you know, Jack Eichel is a pretty good piece for that organization, though, and they still haven't built a team around him capable of winning, so... I don't even know where you start. I, I actually like the one thing Kevin Adams said recently is he's like, you got to start just winning a couple of things like small, like, you know, mm-hmm. just win one or two of these smaller deals leading up to the trade deadline. I know we can laugh at that when they're in the midst of everything being on fire. But at some point, you have to pull, start pulling yourself out of the, the tailspin. And he's going to have to do it largely alone because there's not a lot of people working with him.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess that brings us right into our next headline, which is that they finally made a move like that. And, and it looked like, honestly, that they somewhat won that deal because Eric Stahl, who was traded to the Montreal Canadiens for a third and a fifth round pick on, I believe it was Saturday, um, is having a terrible season. Like, it, it just as everyone in Buffalo is, it, it's understandable. And for them to be able to get a third and a fifth round pick... I mean, there's going to be no scouts on the uh, like on their staff to actually look at the prospects who they might actually draft with those picks, but just on the, on the forefront, having those, having those picks pretty, pretty big deal. What do you think of this trade? I actually like it from both ends and it's not Mm -hmm. just fence sitting. You know, if you look at Montreal, they stockpiled
1: a ton of draft picks, you know, over a three year period. I don't mind them dealing from some of that draft capital to try to strengthen their chances in the, in the North division. You know, they have to make the playoffs and, and, you know, I think that they're in good position to do so, but they have a lot of games left after that, that week long COVID uh, quarantine break, whatever we want to call mm-hmm. it uh, in a short amount of time. And so I think getting some depth and a little bit more help down the middle, you know, I think we were realistic about where Eric Stahl's at in his career, but I do think he can, can help them on a third line type of situation. So I, I don't, I don't, find any reason to criticize that side of the deal, but I don't, also don't think we could expect Buffalo to extract much more for Eric Stahl than than what they did. And it actually runs a little bit counter to my previous point because they did eat the salary, half the salary as yeah. part of this. So you know it wasn't totally just them shedding money too. And I think that's why they got the fifth round pick. Essentially, the trade was Eric Stahl for a third round pick. And then in exchange for the million dollars or whatever it is, they get the fifth round pick. Sort of like when the Leafs ate Robin Leonard's salary as a go-between last year at the deadline, I believe they got a fifth round pick from Vegas. I think that was kind of the model there. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a good start. But, you know, they have to... The Taylor Hall situation, as good as Taylor is, will not necessarily be easy to navigate. No. Yeah, you know, Just because he has a no-move clause. He's not having a great season. He makes a lot of money in a year where... Every good team pretty much is is in some degree of cap uh, difficulty or a squeeze. And so, you know, I think they have to extract some value for him and, and then try to move anything else that isn't nailed down and, and isn't, you know, Jack Eichler or Rasmus and I'm not talking about those kind of trades at the deadline, but, you know, other players on their roster, that they can turn into picks. I think that's one place to start.
0: 100%. I, I mean, I, look, let's just hop into some Sabres talk now. Screw, screw format here. We're, we're on a good roll. So one blame it on the new guy. I'm like the, the substitute teacher or whatever. You know what I mean? There's no rules when I'm here. Look, uh, the our normal teacher, she lets us watch movies on, on Mondays. So, I mean, I, I don't know. That's just what our that was the best trick to pull on the substitute teacher, which is, you know, she was like, you just tell her, oh, we watch movies on Monday. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, our teacher. She normally lets us do that. What are you going to like contradict her? It's crazy. Um, anyway, so I guess the Sabres we will talk about that. One interesting note that was brought up by, by your esteemed colleague, Elliot Friedman, in 31 Thoughts Today, an early edition, which worked for this podcast fantastically, splendidly, um, was that Casey Middlestat, he, he thought that, he, who has been one of the more notable busts, you could say, or busts in quotations, um, in recent years, given the hype and his draft pedigree and everything. He said, you know, he was a 2017 first, uh, first round pick, and he said, you know, he might kind of flourish with a new, cha- like a change of scenery what do you think? Like, I, I would kind of tend to agree, but then again, there's a guy who might be quote unquote, like ruined from a developmental perspective. Do you think that that's a guy who could potentially flourish and and be maybe even a chip that they could leverage some sort of asset recapture out of at the deadline?
1: Yeah, I I do think they can. I mean, he's young enough that another organization is going to give him the chance Mm. and you know, it's, I, I just don't know enough about Casey's situation to say whether he can or he can't. I mean, and I, I wouldn't, I'd actually, I don't want to be sitting here placing any limitations on him. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult though. Look, his career has not gone the way he would want the way the Sabres would want. Uh, needless to say, I think that they, they were, they were thinking, okay, he might be up here, but at minimum he's here, but the career has kind of been down here. If you know what I'm saying, like it, it may, might be lower than that. It's It's been lower than even probably what they were thinking would be that the, the the, the bottom for him, and so A, I think he would welcome a change just to to start fresh, and and B, yeah, you know, I think that that's the sort of guy I'm talking about. Is that it's okay? Yeah, you go through and you got your are printing UFA's. Those are no brainers to trade. Who else aren't you not trading? I mean, again, I think it's Eichel and Darlene. Just because I I really believe you have to be sure of the marketplace before you move someone like that. And, you know, obviously Jack Eichel's case, he's, he's injured right now. And I think that that probably makes it impossible mm-hmm. uh, for it to happen before April 12th. But, you know, I literally think like anyone else, I guess Dylan Cousins, you probably exclude from this just because he's so young and he's playing meaningful minutes already for them is as, as basically their top line center. So, you know, other than that, like I think anyone should go. And and so, you know, middle stats name is definitely out there. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't think because it'll be a sign of the way his career's gone. I don't think they're going to get a
0: huge asset for him, but this is probably the time to do it. Absolutely. I mean, obviously they're not going to get a ton for him. Like it's like he like you said, his career is is in the in the toilet at this point. Like let's be honest, he's he was a top he was a top 5 pick, I believe. And I think, to- I think eight maybe is in my head. Eight, yeah. I'm
1: I'm not always the best at remembering that, but top
0: 10, I think. That sounds right. He was a top 10 pick, but the hype was crazy on him. Like the hype uh, coming out was this guy is going to, you know, he's going to be the, uh, the sort of Leafs with, with Matthews Tavares. It's going to be Eichel, stats going to be. And then he ended up in Rochester basically for most of this time. Yeah, I mean, there has to be like a mental component to all this. Because I, just the moribund sense of playing for that team right now. I, I can't imagine what it must be like to walk into the rink and go like, "Here we go again." And for a guy like Taylor Hall, who he he, I, I've I keep saying this, man, like he did this to himself. Like he 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 reached free agency. I, I know we're in the middle of the pandemic, but players were getting some decent like some decent offers, and also he got offers from I think it was Colorado and and Nashville. And Nashville's on a streak now. We'll get to them in a little bit. And he so he finally reaches free agency for the first time in his in his career in the middle of his prime you'd say it's one opportunity to really cash in and he goes my opportunity to leverage myself my time to bet on myself i'm gonna go to buffalo and everything has happened do you get any sense that of what his mental status is right now Here's the thing. I'll defend that decision a little bit. Really? Okay. Look, do your best. Do your best. I mean, it it's a
1: disaster. Like it, it didn't yeah. work out at all. But I mean, really? if we're just going from like the process standpoint.
0: <laughs> what a hot take right there. <laughs> I think
1: you could I think you could do worse and end up with getting 8 million up front for a yep. year. And playing with Jack Eichel, like, like, again, in that marketplace, like nobody was, as it turned out when he hit the open market, like I think Colorado's top offer was around $5 million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, Nashville, I think, was willing to do a little bit more than that. But, like, the point was he wasn't getting eight times eight somewhere, which, oh, yeah. you know, honestly, a year earlier he might have, partially because he was closer then to his heart trophy win, but also because it was a different environment. And so I don't think it was absolutely crazy to, to – Bet that maybe it could. You could catch lightning in a bottle with Jack Eichel. Have a monster season and parlay that into something. But you know, I think what will be interesting now, Mike, is that my understanding is some of the teams with interest in Hall are are hoping to speak to him as part of the the trade to see if he might do an extension. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I don't really know where he lands on that yet. If he wants to, you know, make that kind of decision in season, obviously, it probably depends on the team and the money <laughs> to some degree. But. You know, I wonder if instead of going through it all again in free agency, if, if we see him say sign a two or three year extension as part of this trade. Uh, you know, I, I don't yet know what, how he feels about that, but it certainly there's a feeling in the marketplace that that's maybe what it's going to take to make this trade happen. Cause then that team may give up a little bit more to satisfy Buffalo's needs and feel a little bit better that they're not just getting a rental.
0: So what would you give him? Like you can't, how can you extrapolate any val, any, like potential uh, i would say like analysis on what he would be any risk reward kind of capability from a season like this like you can't analyze him he looks defeated and you go is this is is he on the downturn which i guess an age curve would say yes but he's still like he seems like he would still be a pretty good player. And yet the last couple of years he has played in I w- he, the last two years, he's played in the two most moribund franchises in the NHL. Like I'm just waiting for the Katie Strang piece on Buffalo to come out any day now. Like it's, it's one of those uh, with him playing in Arizona. What do you give this guy on an extension? Like you say a three or four year extension, that's even a big commitment for him at this point, given where he's cratered to, what does that even look like?
1: Well I guess you're just trying to steal some value there right like you yeah. trying to convince him to sign a 5 million dollar 3 year you know deal. If you do that it's probably a worthwhile risk. I mean mm-hmm. again I got no clue if he would do that cuz that's potentially leaving some money on the table. A
0: lot of money, I think.
1: But he's also made money. You know, this is part of, look, there's like a, there's like a triangulation for every player when they reach these decisions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not to jump around, but, you know, Zach Hyman, for example, has he's a pending unrestricted free agent and everyone points out oh, he's from Toronto. And what I point out is he'll never have a chance like this to make meaningful money in, as an NHL player again. And he hasn't really, again, not relative to you and I, but relative to the kind of money NHL yeah. players are paid, he hasn't made a ton of money. Yet, And so if he ends up leaving Toronto, which is don't headline me on this one. I'm not saying he is, but if he
0: ends up leaving 100%. for
1: a big amount of money somewhere else, more than the Leafs could afford it, I can actually understand that decision because mm-hmm. from a business standpoint, this is the time for Zach I'm I'm using that to contrast with Taylor Hall. I think this is the time for Taylor to end up in a city with a team and with a chance to win. Because you know his career is getting towards a back nine, most likely. I mean, maybe he becomes a Joe Thornton, but the, we're, that's 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 not the the rule at this point, right? That, that there's one Joe Thornton, or there's mm-hmm. a handful with Jason Spencer, Patrick Marleau, a few guys still playing. But um, you know, he's he's thirty, and the career is not going the way he wanted. He hasn't played as many playoff games as he'd like. So that's why I'm wondering if you might be able to use sort of that collision of what's happened to Dayton in his career with the way the season has gone with his experience in free agency and maybe get him on a, a little bit of a below-market deal as part of that trade. And, and look, that might win for him too. I mean, some stability probably wouldn't hurt at this point. And I'm sure he wants two or three or four cracks, uh, legitimate cracks at winning the Stanley Cup because,
0: you know, he's played a long time in the league. has never gotten close. You're right. Not even a sniff of it. Like, it's been, it's been rough for him to try and find – any sort of sustained success in that regard. Like he's played five playoff games his entire career. And yeah, that was an MVP season that it took to get them there.
1: And now he has to go as a secondary piece. Like, you know, if he goes somewhere like Colorado or a really deep up front team, he he might not be on their top power play unit. He probably won't be playing the kind of minutes he's accustomed to. His stats might not be where where he's used to them, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I think if he wants to win, which I do believe he does, I think he's a very competitive guy. You know, those are some of the sacrifices you have to
0: might have to make in addition to money in order to find the right situation. And you'd think he'd probably be willing to do that. Like it's at a certain point you want to win a cup and he hasn't gotten even close to it yet. So if you got to sacrifice some things given, he's already had what a six year deal with six point something million under his belt previously. Like you would think that would be kind a, of a, a catch 22 that he'd kind of be OK with.
1: Right. And it's also a life preserver out of Buffalo right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the, if we, if we envision this scenario playing out before the 12th, you know, it's, it's a chance for him to get off the ship. Like I love Derek Stahl's quote. When you talk to the Montreal media, he's like, <laughs> he's like the best part of leaving there is I don't have to try to explain what was going on. Like he was basically, oh, man. you know, I, I don't think he was throwing a shot there. Like, I think it's like, literally he's been around the league and he's seen some shit and he's like, I like that. I've never seen anything like that. Like, I don't know. Like, how do you explain losing seventeen straight games?
0: You can't. At a certain point, that defies math. Like, it defies probability.
1: Right. Like, I actually know people that are betting on the Sabers every game, just on this A, yeah. because the odds have gotten so ridiculous. But they're just like they can't lose forever. I don't care who they're playing. Exactly. Uh, and David Amber is regretting that because each successive game, he's deeper in the hold of the Sabers.
0: It's <laughs> it's one thing to have to watch Sabers hockey. It's another for them to just like be a, a sinkhole for your money. Come on, Dave. What are you doing?
1: He's actually, I got to, to to be real here. He's really good. Like he, he's winning yeah. NHL game parlays all the time, but I'm always wary of those guys that tell you what they're winning. Cause you don't really know how often they're losing to go with it. You know? Exactly.
0: Yeah. You gotta be, I'm, I'm just starting to dip my toe into that. And even then it's, it's a wild, it's a wild West kind of, I was, I was actually thinking like, I, I, I stayed away from doing it. And thankfully I would have lost some money, but the, the day where their entire coaching staff went, went into uh, COVID, um, protocols, which was just another like straw that's going to break the camels back there. I was like, okay, they're going to win this. Like somehow they're going to pull this out. It's the day of their entire coaching staff is gone and they're on they're in, They had lost 15 at that point. I'm like, they're hundred percent going to beat the penguins here. They didn't unfortunately, but you know, well the penguins had like a roster with like guys I've never heard of, which is embarrassing to say, cause I'm paid to know that stuff. <laughs> well, it's like the literally they had a
1: guy. Yeah. That guy scored the first goal. I was like, I've never heard of
0: that player. Never. And like, I'm a guy, I covered the AHL for three years. Never heard of this guy coming up ever. Like he's just, you know, just a guy. And yet here we go. Like he's playing next to Crosby or Malkin and he's putting up points. Speaking of, I guess, other recent Stanley Cup champions, because this, this ties into what I was going to do in the headline, but it's weird. And it, it was a very weird notification to get yesterday. Mike Hoffman was a healthy scratch for the blues on Sunday night What is going on there? Because we'll, we'll branch this off into a bigger conversation about the blues who might be a seller at the deadline, but this is a guy who, and I mean, how much can we really expect from a guy who signed a PTO? I mean, come on, but this is a guy, (laughs) this is a guy who he's got 20 points in 33 games. That's not that bad for a guy who's making, you know, a smidge above four, like it's, or 4.5. I think it is like, there's is there something going on there? Like this doesn't seem typical.
1: Well, he, what, what's going on there is you have a coach who doesn't trust a player. You know, yeah. because despite Mike Hoffman's twenty points in thirty three games, you know he's not been getting top line power play minutes. Which, given if you look at his career trajectory, how he's basically made his name as an NHL player, is is he someone who's been very good on the power play? And so he's not being used in that facet. You know, Berube was pretty. Pretty direct when asked about him after the game about the scratch, just about him needing more effort and all the sort of things you'd expect. But I mean, it, it hasn't taken long for that relationship not to go well. And, you know, it, because it's a short term situation, I mean, I, mm-hmm. it's not that I expect him to be moved out of there, but I, I don't expect to see him back next year. Um, and, you know, it, it's an interesting time for Mike Hoffman because he spent a lot, the reason he had that PTO, and obviously it was a PTO with an understanding in, in mm-hmm. the, in the office drawer there about what was going to happen, but is that he went the whole time as a free agent and, and didn't really, didn't have anything to to hang his hat on. And part of that is, of course, a strange pandemic offseason. I think part of that is kind of whether it's reputational or just doubts or concerns about the way he plays defensively, all those types of things, despite his offensive numbers. You know, he didn't have that many believers in other teams around the league and, and it hasn't gone well in St. Louis for him. So I would suggest it's going to be another tough free agency period or it'd be different. You'll just see him signing a much cheaper deal than he was looking for last year.
0: Real, you know, that this actually brought something as you're talking, this brought something to me because there are th- like what I've noticed is a weird trend and this might be due to the pandemic. I'm very curious to get your thoughts on it. We're seeing coaches just kind of call out players for their work ethic far more callously than I think I've ever seen in an NHL season. We have Daryl Sutter straight-up roasting Johnny Goudreau in what should have been the lead-up to a monumental game, but uh, for him at least, and saying, you know, I hope he tries – for his 500th game, I'm excited for him, but I hope he tries harder than he did in his 499th. Then we have Carter Hart, who is now scratched for the next two games with Vigneault saying he needs to work harder because he's going to work on his game. And then we have a guy like Brube calling out the work ethic of Mike Hoffman. It seems like coaches are just kind of not – like. I guess the polite way to say is their give a shit meter is just very low in being sort of, uh, I don't know, like in holding hands. Like what, what is the sense of that? It seems to be a lot more, just a lot more callous.
1: You're right. And, and look, there's no way to prove
0: this. This is just like
1: CJ's 10 cent psychology, (laughs) but I, I honestly wonder if it's just part of the conditions of this crazy season. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like, I know from talking to people that there's, there's a lot of concern sort of quietly about the mental health of everyone involved in this thing. Um, that it's just, a, I mean, look, it's a grind of a season. There's tons of games. It's compacted. There's these COVID rules and the masking and like, it's just not the same. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it, it, and at the best of times, let's call the NHL, what it is is a very high pressure environment. Everyone has to perform those who don't get called out, get sworn at, get, skated more vigorously get ostracized get public scrutiny I mean it's it's at the best of times when everything's great this is a, it's a tough job even though you know I would have loved to have done it if I was good enough. <laughs> I mean, but, you know but like it is it, I recognize that being a player in the NHL is not an easy thing or a coach or a GM mm-hmm. anyone really that's that's taking kind of public bullets over the the success or failure of the team um and I just wonder if all of this is, is some players maybe struggling, maybe with motivation, with their own mental health. I mean, I, and I'm not suggesting the three guys you mentioned specifically because yeah. I don't know anything about their cases, but I'm speaking generally that that could be a factor. And I wonder if the short fuse for coaches is just maybe some of the different strains they're going through. And, and to me, that's completely plausible. Like I know of a few people that, I, that are sort of trusted voices that I speak to for teams that like think for sure they have players that are kind of dealing with mental health events that they've never seen before in their life. I think there's a, an, an acute concern for those that live alone, that are maybe younger, yeah. that are single, that you know just can't have their friends over, just like you, Mike. Look at you, and, but you know, they go on the road they, you can't even like not only can you not go to a restaurant with your teammates, mm-hmm. which is part of the fun of the road the day before the game, you, right? It's just the, the banter, the fun, you get out, you kind of forget about it for an hour or two or three. Mini sticks. Yeah, but, and I know they play video games and all that together, but they yeah. can't even do that in the same teammate's room like legally and, and maybe they're doing it. But like, there's just so many rules that, that basically say you have to be alone at all times and wearing a mask and away from everybody. And, mm-hmm. and so anyway, there's a few players that I, I know their GMs or assistant GMs are really worried that, that that's impacted their play, that there's no other explanation for why they maybe haven't performed up to past levels or what have you. And so I just wonder if, it, this is just, it's more of a crazy pressure cooker and, and it's not to excuse anyone's behavior or what's being said, but I I do think that that probably has something to do with it. Cause I know myself that I, I don't feel the same covering this season. Like I found my job much more difficult mm-hmm. and there's not like one thing I can say. It's not just like, I'm like, well, I used to do this and now I do that. And it, that's the whole difference. It's, it's just kind of a general feeling. And, and I just, I think that that feeling is more universal maybe than Some of us recognize like everyone's just a little more tired right now, even though we're probably sleeping more than ever because we got nothing else to do.
0: Yeah. Is there uh, even personally, is there a sense when you're when you're covering this that it's like, should we should we be doing this right now? Like you see guys getting put into these quarantines. And I think of a guy like like uh, um, Forsberg like the goaltender. I think it's Is it Alex Forsberg? Anton. Anton. There we go. I don't know. My brain just shut off there for a second. Jeez. You're right. We're in a fog. Um, You're all good, bud. You're living alone. It's tough. (laughs) Exactly. No, it's true. I mean, thank you for the the human interaction here. It's great. It's better than talking to my walls, which I usually do. Um, (laughs) But it's, this guy has gone through like four different quarantines. I cannot imagine the mental toll that takes on a human being. And, you look at a guy like that who's playing even tied into Leafs. You look at a guy like that who's playing against the Leafs on a Saturday or on a, a Thursday night, I believe. And you go like, should we be doing this like this? We just put this guy through the ringer for really no good reason. And there are guys going into COVID protocols. And as much as we love sports and, you know, livelihoods are at stake here. And, and I'm you know 100 percent in that camp. You go, is, is this really worth it? Like, I don't know. There must be someone out there thinking that, to be honest, no one has said that to me
1: directly mm-hmm. or, or like and probably because most of the people I talk to are so far into this, that we, this is myself included. I should like very much not distance myself from this is like, yeah. what else would I do? I mean, this is my job. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that the GMs and the coaches, like it's their job to be around hockey. And that that involves hockey needing to be played. Even the players you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure some of them, especially the initial shutdown, you know, the season ends in March, you know, some of them obviously didn't even come back at all, but those, you know, everyone was off at minimum March to July. I think that was like a long few months for a few people that are like, yeah. you know what? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes this job sucks, but like being at home isn't also great.
2: Uh, oh yeah. Even if
1: you got, even if you got lots of money and whatever, like it's, you know, you need a purpose. So I, I think a lot of people are grateful for the opportunity this season can happen, but we shouldn't pretend it's a normal season. Like mm. it's just. It's just not like I go to, you know, all the games in Toronto, basically, um, you know, without the fans. And like, it's just not like there's actually been some banger games. like The police have actually had oh, a couple yeah. of good games where I was thinking, like, if this happened, you know, like even a comeback like Edmonton on Saturday. It's just the one that's in my mind. You know, they scored two goals on a Saturday night to tie the Oilers and they went in overtime. Like that would be a night where you're at the rink. You're like, oh, like you just feel in the buzz. But there's no buzz. Like it's just yeah. it's just like. You know, you could see the two guys that clean up in the corner. Like that's all you hear, <laughs> just like the the brooms, the broom yeah, sound yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's 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 very strange. And you know, I, I'm hopeful the weather's turning. Obviously, mm-hmm. vaccines are, especially in the U.S. A lot of people are getting vaccinated, including NHL players. You know, we're on the path to getting back towards something that looks normal. But yeah, this what's happened in the bubble and then here, this will go down as like the weirdest year and a half of NHL
0: hockey in our lifetimes, I think for sure. What's the most, from your perspective, because like you said, you go to pretty much all the games, you're on the beat, really. What's the most, what's the most different aspect of the day to day thing for you? Like you, do you have any traditions, like game day traditions or anything you couldn't do anymore? And I mean, on the road, obviously you can't go out for, you know, beer or wine or anything with, with the, the guys. And I would say the people that you're with, you know, but the gals too. Exactly. Yeah. Which I'm hoping, is a group that expands but it's like what's different from a home perspective here because i mean i'm like is there an entrance they usually walk through you can't do anymore like i'm assuming the media room like it's shut off like in terms of meals like what take us behind the curtain for a sec here
1: Yeah, okay. So I'll answer this in two ways. The first is like, because my two favorite parts of the job, just me, and and Mm -hmm. I I think it's fair to say lots of sports reporters or writers would have maybe different answers than this. But my two favorite parts personally are finding out stuff no one else knows. Oh, yeah. And so like, that's just fun for me. Like, I get a kick out of that. Even I'm not just talking about like breaking a trade. I'm talking like, You know, talking to a player and finding out something about his background or like an adjustment he's made like i just like learning about what's going on and so you you basically can't do that i mean it's all zoom avails and Mm -hmm. with everybody and that's just a product of that's not a complaint it's just that's a fact so like the ability to sort of like have those little mini discoveries constantly is gone and that's one of my kicks and the other is honestly just the buzz around going to big games i still like going to games as many as i've been to yeah just because i find it's like a natural high honestly there's it doesn't even matter which teams are playing. It's just being around that, that energy of the people and the game and the, the volume like, you know, rises and falls the excitement. And so you're not getting that even when you're at, you know, I was at the Stanley cup final when Tampa wins at Edmonton. And like, again, it's like <laughs> five media people and, and the guys on the ice, like you could hear them yelling, um, which is great for Tampa, but it's not the same thing as, you know, the times I've been there when the cup was won in a full building. So the professionally, that's like the two things that I really jump out to me. And I think mm-hmm. it's, What's made this year harder is both of those things are like natural shots of adrenaline that I get, like yeah. along, you know, because during the season you just work every day, day and night. Like you're, I'm at games late, you get up like you like it's it's but like part of what keeps you going is that adrenaline. So I'm not getting those adre- adrenal hits essentially. Um, and then when it just t- like going to the rink and everything itself, it's all different. Like we enter mm-hmm. a different door. Probably it's funny you brought up the one because I wouldn't have thought of this, but it, yeah, they don't serve food there anymore. And so in the old word. days, back when I was young before COVID, <laughs> like on a typical game day, I go to the morning skates. Uh, well, obviously, we talk to the players after the skate. I usually have to write a story, like just something quick and a lineup update, whatever's going on. I usually do a TV hit. And quite honestly, I would often stay there all day till the game. Yeah. Just because it was, it was easier. I might leave for an hour to go for a walk or to grab a coffee just to get outside. But like I wouldn't ever go home. But now you have to go home because you're not allowed to stay there if you want to. But then I would usually eat dinner at the arena in the media room before 7 o'clock whenever the puck drop is. Well, now there isn't a media room and there's no dinner, which is fine. So you have to sort of either eat. It's just your day gets kind of thrown off. Like, when do you eat? I find myself bringing food in. Obviously, you have to stay apart from the other reporters. Like, the whole thing is just a little weird. Yeah. Uh, We also have to get tested, which is one thing I'll give MLSC credit for. First of all, it makes me feel safer. For sure. uh, and secondly, I recognize there's a cost to that that I'm not bearing. I'm not. I don't have to pay for that. But it also gives me a certain amount of peace of mind that you know, if I pass a rapid test, at least that you know I, I probably don't have it. Especially a week when you're going there multiple times and you're passing multiple tests. So everyone has to pass a rapid test to get into to cover Maple Leafs game, which I appreciate because you know I i'm not doing anything in COVID, but you still never I, you know these new variants they say are pretty transmissible and yeah i live in a building you just wander in the elevator through the vent system whatever you
0: know i'm just not sure wow i i, I did not know that they were doing the rapid testing for media so that's that's incredible that's something yeah, scouts, that's a luxury scouts
1: media you know i think i'm pretty sure the security guards that work there and you can't basically you can't work like if you produce obviously if you have a positive test mm-hmm. Um, you you have to leave and then I would assume you get a real test and you know thankfully I haven't had to experience that
0: thankfully yeah and then you think of a guy like Jack Eichel who has the most intricate pregame routine of all time American Psycho-esque and that's I'm assuming a hundred percent thrown off by all this. Like you, you would have to think that that is just completely in the toilet. So on top of all of the, the differences in life and the, yeah, like I said, the moribund state of his team, he can't do the thing that he, that was necessary to him feeling like himself on the ice. And you got to think that that across the league has been impacting guys.
1: For sure. I mean, cause nothing's normal. As, yeah. as I say, like, you know, I, I don't know where they go in New York city, but when a team goes to play a road game in New York, they probably go out to dinner and they do like everything. I mean, look, this is all first world problems. Mm -hmm. I recognize there's, there's lots of people out there worse off and that have been truly impacted by this in a way that NHL players haven't. But, but that being said, I don't think it should be lost on anyone that just how different this is. And I think how challenging it probably is for some people, you know, the flip side is there's probably a few guys that like, if they weren't playing, they'd be going, you know, having some struggles at home too. And this is yeah. giving them some, some life. So, you know, I guess there's just that there, we can't do broad strokes for 800 NHL players and, and all the associated people that work around the league. But uh, I do know we'll all be pumped when we're in a full building again, feeling safe, oh, and, man. Like, I can't even imagine the roaring twenties are coming, man. I, I'm sure. Oh, of that.
0: Man, it's I like, like what I'm saying after this is over, I'm either going to be like an agoraphobe. Like I'm never going to go outside and be like, the sun is scary. Or I'm going to be like, I'm going to go like primitive. I'm going to be feral. I'm going to like, it's going to be insane. I, it can go one of either two ways. And I'm really here. I just want, you know what? I want to go to a movie theater again. Like I love going to movies, love going to movies alone. Even though I'm, I'm a big proponent of solo movies, it's, it's the way to go. And that, that is something like if I ever had a free night, go, go and see whatever's playing. It doesn't matter. And that's something that I've really missed. And I cannot wait. Like what's, what's the number one thing for you?
1: I want to go to a bar. Honestly. Oh, even yeah. it's, it's not just the drinking it's just kind of like the being around that, that feeling you know what i mean like i, I basically haven't had that for a year mm-hmm. um just being with my buddies too like i haven't seen a lot of my friends at all like i mean like zero uh, just because i'm older than you are like some of my friends are married and stuff like they're, they're not leaving even in this last summer when there, there was maybe an ability to do stuff outside mm-hmm.
0: like you gotta be safe I don't
1: know. It's just like, it just, it's such a hassle that we just didn't bother. I mean, you know, obviously we stay in touch, but I just like to see a few friends and have a couple drinks and like have a game on in the corner and be taught. Talk- like, I guess I want to be carefree again a little bit. Mike. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that to me is an idea of carefree um, God. Like I, I would take that. So, and traveling too, is an obvious mm-hmm. one. I'm not traveling right now during the leaf season. Uh, I'm not vaccinated. It's not really worth the risk in Rogers' eyes, and I'm fine with that. And so, you know, I haven't I went to Edmonton for the month of September and covered the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final, but other than that, I haven't gone anywhere in a year, which, given the pace of my old life, I just yeah. want to get back to to some of the old cities, see people I know and just Like that was the life, man. I was, I hope I get to see it again.
0: Like you say, you worked at the candy store and that, like you talk about those adrenaline uh, spikes for you. Like that's a hundred percent gotta be a source for it is traveling, talking all the, all the people around, you know, like it's the, the airport, like waiting at airports and complaining about, you know, plane delays and all that. Like even that's just fun. Like it's something you want to get back to.
1: Yes. And, and going to games. Like, like I liked being at the games, obviously can get a little mundane at times and not every game's great and all that stuff. But like, when you consider everything else I could have done for a living, this this is this is about as good as I could have probably worked it. So I, I appreciated it before anyway. I was never someone I actually I'm just not a complainer. I wasn't a complainer, about flight delays and all the crap. But you know I, I will appreciate it even greater uh, on the other side.
0: I'm gonna be looking forward to your first strongly worded tweet at like Delta or whatever when you get back when they fu- inevitably give you a plane delay. you be like, I, I can't wait. It's the, it's the it's it's a rite of passage for media members at this point.
1: I have screwed up on Twitter like anyone, but I have never done that once. <laughs> That's a badge of pride. I think I think I go back to 2008 or 2009. And you can <laughs> you could do the search right now, and there's I've never tweeted like angry at Marriott or Air Canada or whatever. Wow, um, but I have done some stupid shit. You know, some of which, you know, your your listeners, I'm sure, are aware of. So
0: we're not even going to say the word. Don't worry. It's going to be a, it's, it's we won't. We'll, we'll maybe pull it on you at the end, but not right now. Um, let's hit some let's hit some teams real quick before we talk about the main attraction, which is the team that plays in the city that we both live in. Um, so first, hello, Mike, again, this time to talk to you about hosting your own podcast with our distributor, Blue Wire Podcast. And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Now, Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&A's BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll even help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listing platforms. And the best part is, you can get this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup without all these extra bugs Muscles whistles we're giving you so if you're ready to do more than just listen to me or us talk about your favorite team then make your voice heard in blue wire hustle now acceptance of the program is limited so get your application in today to apply you go to bwhustle.com join check out the description box in this episode to find out more but that's bwhustle.com join the predators they seem to be primed to be essentially the carcass that everyone picks from like they, they had the most attractive, uh, uh organs, uh, you know, on, on the black market for sale. And now they're, you know, in, in, that, in that, that's TV. a
1: beautiful framing. Like this is lovely. Perfect.
0: That's that's what not going to broadcasting school does to you right there. You just formulate it in your head. Um, and they were, now they're kind of on a hot streak and all of the word around the league. And as you would say in the marketplace, um, is that they're not looking to sell now. So what's your temperature on that? And I would say as well, would there still be a sense that you could pry out a guy like Eckholm or even like a Granlin for the right price given, even given their, their trajectory at this point? I, I think
1: you probably could, but it's a harder trade to make now because they're not as desperate to make it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, you know, clearly uh, I can't remember if they won six or seven, seven of eight. They've won a lot lately. Yeah. And if that I continues, think. if that continues, they probably won't sell at all. Um, but you know, they're not fully out of the woods yet. They've just sort of crawled back to now they're in legitimately in the, the playoff conversation. Um, but they've definitely, at least from what I've heard secondhand from the team speaking to them, you know, that they're, they're not as ready to tango yet. I can't remember. I was trying to get a good line. Someone texted me the other day, but they, they were they're, they're not they're not nearly as as interested in in making this happen, it uh, doesn't seem. But there's still, like I, I will caution because we, we sort of ride the waves with this, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's still two weeks from when we're talking right now, Mike, till April 12th. Yeah. They could lose three or four games in that two weeks and it looks totally different and, and they're still selling. But this is definitely, I think, dampened their enthusiasm to sell early, which you know was partly what I thought would happen. I mean, if we go back two weeks previous to this, it looked like they were gonna set the marketplace because they oh, had yeah. players out there, they had, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, lots of the contending teams were talking to them and wanting to get something done. And, and you know, David Poyle is a chiseler among the GMs. <laughs> like he's known for spending a lot of time on the phone. I think that's a compliment in his line of work. He doesn't just make a deal quickly. Like he mm-hmm. he really tries to like, if you're offering me this prospect, he's really trying to get getcha. one more run rung up prospect. Uh, he's trying to like wear you down. And I think honestly them winning like this gives him an opportunity to do that because, you know, he's way less incentivized right now to just start pulling everything apart.
0: No, good point. All right. Flyers. They're on a a skid as well. They're, you know, goaltender of the future who essentially carried them into, into the playoffs and beyond last season is scratched for next two games. Like we said, to work on his game and he's getting called out for his work ethic by his coach. This recent skid, is that going to make them more of a seller? They seemed like they had kind of you know sort of ambitions to to be more than that. And yet now they lose 9 nothing to a Rangers team that had their entire coaching staff on, you know, in COVID protocols and were getting coached by, by a staff that didn't know they were going to do it until 3 p.m. on the game day. It, you know, Chuck Fletcher is a guy who can kind of swing for the fences. We've seen that happen. Is he... Do you do you get the sense that they've kind of changed at all, and and who maybe on the roster would would you think it, it would be an attractive piece for maybe a contender to try and pick up at the deadline? I don't know if they're going to sell honestly, but they wanted to
1: buy like not that yeah. long ago. They they were because that's, they were right on you know, outcome, Chuck, right? Yeah, it was Chuck Fletcher's mo, right? It, I think he he wanted to add to them. I mean, they they got to I guess it counted as a second round of the playoffs in the bubble, but mm-hmm. but you know they won a couple of playoff rounds in the bubble and seemed to be trending in a good direction. You know, they're one of these teams, like they had a pretty extended COVID issue in their their team. So lots of players got it. Mm-hmm. And then they just haven't been the same since. And and you kind of wonder about the effects of that. Like I think there's a danger, and this is something that the Flyers have internally have talked about is making reaching too many conclusions about what this season means. Yeah. Because because of that you know the unknown of of you know maybe even what sort of effects the COVID still has on the players that have returned and I don't know all who had it or anything like that we're trying to keep that sort of secret in the league these days but you know some players maybe that have underperformed so I don't see them being a big seller but I, I think that what you're going to see instead is you know clearly the most important thing for the remainder of this year is try to get Carter Hart right
0: yeah and
1: I don't know if calling him out was the right thing honestly
0: like yeah, like how do you go about doing that? Because look, I, I I'm The I'm time a little, off
1: makes sense.
0: Yeah. But, but like scolding him, him well giving him time off
1: to me doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, like I I'm I'm a little I'm 25, so I'm a little older than him, but not too much. And I would not respond as positively to that as I would maybe a different approach. Like that's not how you reach this generation.
1: No, and look, he's been an excellent goalie for how he like he, there, there aren't many like him, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to go back to like Carey Price to find goalies that played as many NHL games, you know, before 23, you know, or Mackenzie Blackwood's played a number of new, but like, the point is, there's not many guys even jump into the league the way he has. He's performed pretty well. This year has not gone to plan, but I I don't think, again, I, I wouldn't be reaching a conclusion that he forgot how to play or he doesn't care or he stopped, you know, lifting weights or something. Like I, I think there's a lot more going on. And so, you know, I think their priorities need to be get him right one way or another. This didn't seem today like the, the right yeah. start. Again, I, I'm all for giving him time off. I think it but it's how you couch it and you you say this has been a busy schedule, he's got to have time to work with the goalie coach. We got him let him clear his mind, all that stuff. Like that's fair. Perfect. Yeah. I wouldn't challenge him necessarily. But then, you know, secondly, they're gonna remake the blue line in the off season. And and mm-hmm. so I, I see them being in on some kind of crazy blockbuster trade in the offseason. I think that really yeah, I think losing Matt Niskanen in right before the season, like he was still under contract, right? He basically went through the bubble and was looking ahead to what the NHL was going to be this year, and he's like, "Peace, I made enough money." <laughs> like, I mean, all credit look, to him, honestly. Yeah. That's I think the dream. He left, he, I think he left four million bucks on the table, though. Like, you know, he but he basically he won a cup, though, right? Yes, Didn't in he? Washington. Yeah, you said right, but like, I think he just realized it was going to be too hard on his family or on him personally, whatever. And he's just like, "I've had enough. It was a great career. Goodbye." But you know that it's not that just losing him is why they ended up here, but I think that it, it sort of disrupted what they'd planned for their blue line. Hmm. Defensively, they've not been very good, even though Carter Hart hasn't played well. And so I, I think you're going to see them, whether it's, you know, like they've been linked to Ryan Ellis, even, I don't know if Nashville does that deal at some point. Um, but I, I think you'll see them make a big trade in the off season to address the blue line. I, I just think the net result of this season going off the rails will be, they'll be pretty inactive at the deadline.
0: All right. Very interesting. Another team, as well that that might have had i was gonna say their trajectory is kind of the same but they might have just been accelerated by what happened because aaron ekblad had a terrible injury like if you see, that video is tough to watch his leg goes in a direction that it shouldn't god did not intend the leg to go in that direction it's, it's and on rough. a weird hit like it was yeah. a relatively innocuous play for a man as big as Eckblad is right Exactly. It was Lindell just kind of like brushed up against was finishing a check. There was no malice in it involved. And yet it was, He. it, it was just the fall was, was tough. And yet this is a guy who was having a monster breakout. You're finally kind of reaching that height that we kind of expected from him being the sort of huge prospect exceptional guy that that he was he was at 22 points 33 games after 25 minutes of ice time the panthers apparently according to again your esteemed colleague elliot friedman um what, they were already kind of shopping for d help but now they just lost their best guy essentially how like you got to think that, that extradite or i guess uh, uh really just sort of pushes in motion any trade talks that they've already been having and how aggressive do you think maybe they're going to try and go get a guy who could maybe not replace them full stop, but kind of, you know, bridge the gap a little bit. Yeah, that's always
1: the problem when you lose someone that good. Is like, yeah. you're, obviously, you're not getting his replacement. There's, there's very few players around the league that could reasonably be asked to play 25 minutes a night on a good team on their blue line. Uh, but, you know, I do think that it does – speed things up for Bill Zito, you know, he's already brought in some players from Columbus. You know, I would think if the blue jackets end up selling, say like a Savard, I could see him being all in on that. Um, you know, and again, that's not a, to replace Ekblad per se, but it's to improve his own blue line and obviously helps out a little bit, you know, top four guy, you know, yeah. I, I think they will be dead. I think they will look, they, they've been good. Like that's, that's a thing. Like I'm sure a lot of people, too. although, Although, look, this is this is a sophisticated hockey podcast, audience. so you guys, <laughs> some of you guys, are probably watching the Panthers, and not just because you bet on them with David Amber, but um, <laughs> but let's face it, league wide, they're they're maybe not getting a lot of love because you know no. they, they haven't done a lot to command attention over the years. But I think that they're legit in terms of them taking a step this year, and and they want to continue that. And so, you know, I think that they will be active. As I say, watch out for Columbus if Columbus ends up moving D's. Mm-hmm. And I think they should be closer to that because, you know, they were like Nashville. They had won a few games, but then they lost two in Detroit over the weekend. To
0: In a paltry effort, too. Like, it was, that yeah. was rough. It just feels like, yeah, it's not going all the line in torts either. Who could have saw that coming? Oh, man. Whomps could possibly have predicted that? It's, it's, it's almost like everyone in the world, but you never would have. <laughs> sometimes Sometimes things just work out exactly the way you think they are. Like, right. That's actually kind of disappointing. It's nicer to be surprised. Right. Like imagine they became like
1: a buddy cop movie or something or
0: like the odd couple. Like how awesome would that have been? And yet now we know it's like that this that was the 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 most beaten to death joke when these trades were were coming about. And I was kind of in the back of my mind, just like, man, I really I really want these guys to become like a Brady and Belichick kind of thing where you you'd think their personalities just wouldn't mesh together. And yet it's it's years of success. And yet, no, they hate each other. Clearly, and it's rough.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I don't think we expect towards back next year. It's not a hot date.
2: I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all in one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo! Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience, and you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to Shopify.com slash BlueWire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to Shopify.com slash BlueWire right now. That's Shopify.com slash BlueWire.
1: I suppose stranger things have happened, but that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So we'll see where it goes with line A, but it's, you know, it, it feels like the end of something a little bit. Yes. Columbus is sort of what I'm getting at here is that, you know, they've already lost some good players. They got big decisions on Werenski uh, and Jones coming. Felino's is an unrestricted free agent. Their captain. You know, they've already traded Dubois like the team that they were two years ago is just it's quite different now. So, I, anyway, let's connect Florida to Columbus. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard any other specific D's though on them. I mean, I'm sure there's there's other people in the marketplace that are after, but there's not a lot of impactful, like if Ecom doesn't move, you know, I think Savard I count as impactful, but like there's not a ton of players, like a lot of the D's I think will move would just be bottom pair depth yeah. guys. I, I don't know how many truly sort of top four D's will move. And so, let's uh, let's see if we can, we can get some
0: Savard to Florida rumors going. All right, let's do it. Let's the, it, the machine's already rolling. You just did it. Love um, it. Love <laughs> it. All right. Let's talk about the main attraction, the Leafs. You're before you have to go out and cover them. So we got, we got a couple of topics to hear, but first of all, I just want very, very general question. What's the biggest need right now? Cause the, this is the topic on that's filled countless hours of sports radio. What, what the Leafs need the most. What's your opinion? Well, you know, because it's been out there for so long, everyone knows, they think their biggest need is another forward to
1: yeah. play in the top six, basically on the second line or third line and have Kirkfoot play on the second line or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, someone who fits in the middle of the roster. I'm starting to wonder about the goaltending, though. You know, Exactly. That's what I and, was and, just about to say. Yeah, yep. I, I get where they're at on this. And look, it's we're talking about injuries. They at least have access to the players and the medical information. We mm-hmm. don't. So, you know, we're all I, the I doctors.
0: We're all esteemed doctors.
1: Right. And I can only operate on what I'm seeing. You know, mm-hmm. I get to go to the practices. So I get some sense of, I, I get some sense of what normal is. Yeah. And this isn't normal. If you know what I'm saying, like mm-hmm. Jack Campbell has been such a great story, but it, the, the the flip side of his story is that he's only played six games. Cause he's only been healthy to play six games. Like he should have played 15 games by now. Um, like it just based on his play, but, but he hasn't put in there. And, and what I find really worrying is that the last time he missed three weeks from roughly the end of February to March 20th, give or take, he skated almost every day. So like he was on the ice doing work with the goaltending coaches, like looking like he was on the verge of a return, Mm -hmm. but he didn't return for three weeks. So then we see him play three games and eight days after Anderson officially went out injured and they won all three games. Fair enough. He misses practice the day after the third win. And then the, the next day is today. And, yeah, he was on the ice, but it's just – and he's not starting against Edmonton tonight. Anyway, this is a long way of saying – so what we know is that Frederick Anderson hasn't skated for 10 days. Yeah. And the reason that's significant is because it means with each passing day, the longer time he's going to need to ramp back up whenever he's healthy enough to get back practicing Mm -hmm. with the team. Like, you miss two weeks. He probably needs at least a week of skating before he can even think about playing. And so, you know, he's – his. Day to day injury, as they've labeled it, is now getting into week to week. And at a time when Campbell is again injured with the same injury that's had him already have two, you know, significant layoffs. And then you're down to
0: Michael Hutchinson and Vini, Ve- double V. Is it, is it Vini? Vini? How do you pronounce Vini, it? Vini? Vevalainen, I think, is how you pronounce his last name. But I. Oh, is, this, is this guy's first name Vini? That's what I want to know. Like, what is going on? I got to figure it out. Now, yeah. now it's relevant. Like he's yeah. not just like
1: a guy that's like taking up space. I mean, he might be the backup. Like he could start. Um, and so even if you think Frederick Anderson isn't done for the regular season, which is the current operating thought inside mm-hmm. the Leafs offices, even if you love how Campbell's played and you're like, oh, we'll just give him, you know, this game off, he'll be fine for like, how much can you really trust? I mean, this is the start of six games in nine days. Yeah. And right now your healthiest, option is Michael Hutchinson. With and with all due respect, actually Hutchinson has performed just fine for what he is this year. Like he's
0: you know, he, I think he's 920 save percentage in six appearances. Like he's has been kind of what they've needed, but not anything super exceptional.
1: Right. I can't imagine there's any confidence in him in the front office to run him out there for the next six games in a row. No. Not at all. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've actually never seen this. Like he was literally traded in the middle of a game that he was playing at Madison square garden in February, 2020. He was straight in the middle of that game. He traded in the middle of the game. They do the post game, which on the road is typically quick. Like the, the media veils in the old days and literally it's on the seventh floor, whatever MSG and, and you know, reporters, we take an elevator up, but the team can walk down this ramp mm-hmm. to walk out of the building. The second they walked onto the ramp, they like push the button and they announce the trade. Like, I saw them get on the ramp, like Dubas and and Steve Keel, the Leafs PR guy. Wow. But it means the trade and the trade call was completed, like, during the game, essentially. My point is, is, like, they got to a point where last year where they had to trade him in the middle of the game because they couldn't watch him play anymore. They had to find, you know, someone else to, to insulate Frederick Anderson. So... I just, I don't know how they can feel that comfortable. Like they their can. reasoning, the reasoning right now is that if they're not putting Frederick Anderson on in long-term injured reserve for the rest of the season, they don't have much cap space, which is true. And that because they want that forward, they don't want to eat it up by getting another depth goaltender. But I, I just think it's pretty risky because if Anderson doesn't play for the next several weeks, maybe this best? Campbell thing goes day to day for three weeks, the way it already has once this season. Like I, again, I don't have access to the medical records, or but even worse, maybe he forces himself to play while injured but can't perform and then gets injured even worse. Like, this just feels like a tenuous spot. And, you know, granted, there's not one savior goalie out there to get, but I think they got to get someone else in here they trust to play ahead of Hutchinson.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, they're one, they're, they're one Campbell groin tweak away, which seems increasingly likely considering just what his history is, from a hutchinson line in tandem. Which would instantly be the worst in the league, I think. Like it's this is like Vevilleinen hasn't he's he's loved by a lot of like people who have watched him in Finn in, in the Finnish league and all that. But and, whenever he's been in North America, he hasn't put up good numbers. So it's it's I mean goalie and he's barely started. played this year. Like it's not exactly even his fault, but like he was like a taxi squad guy with the jackets. I think he played yeah. one game. Then he
1: came to Toronto, he served a fourteen day quarantine. He's been on the ice twice now. Like, I, he might back up Hutchinson tonight. Like, what happens if he has to go in the game out, out of a 14-day quarantine? Like
0: We have no idea. Like, That's you might be. rather
1: call David Ayers at this point, like, quite honestly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, he won a game. He's, he's got a perfect percentage right there, like you would think so. Right. I mean, but it's, it's also interesting because we talk about all this, like, oh, we hope Freddie gets better. And yet Freddie, like, he, he was playing terribly before he went down. And, and injured. And injured. But he wasn't, like, this is not just like a regular this season, chalk it up to COVID, whatever. He has not been the Frederick Anderson that fans have seen from him or at least come to expect that he is since December of 2019. Like, my life is unrecognizable from when Frederick Anderson was the, you know, top 10 or top 5 goaltender in the league that he was. I mean, th- that is, like, even if he is injured, like, would you not think, put him on LTIR, Get some like a crew, some space, do something because this is a guy who, even when he was playing, and not not even just now, but before, was not playing up to the standard that he had set. And if we can find a way to maybe get someone else to insulate him, or insulate the people who we got to then insulate him before, you might have to swing for that.
1: And that might be where this is headed. You know,
0: I think the challenge with LTIR is that
1: if you put him on there, you can't activate him for the rest of regular season, like Mm -hmm. because presumably you're doing it to go over the cap. And so he has to be on board with being done for the regular season. Like the, the doctors have to say he's done for the regular season, yeah. like that he needs that time off. And I don't think they've got to the point where that's been determined. And yeah. so look at that might still be the outcome here, but this is anyway, to answer your original question, like it's I think cards. getting something, another useful goaltender, no matter how this plays out, even if everyone ends up being healthy, I just think, it's a little bit better. Let's remember Michael Hutchinson started as the number four this year. Yeah. So, so again, just putting one more person ahead of him on the depth chart is probably a good idea. I would think because who knows when you get to the playoffs, like most teams play two goalies in the playoffs now anyway. And you have these injuries, this injury situation and a ton of games. Like, yeah, it's a compressed schedule. Like there's not, there's less time to get healthy and there's more time to get injured because there's more games to play. So I would say that's something they need to do and and so far everything coming out of the front office is they're not doing it but maybe that's a smokescreen too. I mean the truth is a relative thing I've learned uh, the closer you get to the deadline.
0: Yeah. And I mean with the way the Leafs make trades it's going to be someone that we've never thought of that we've that you know that we haven't even considered. It's going to be some sort of trade like that's the way that no one was thinking about Jack Campbell. Everyone was thinking, you know, Georgiev and and all all those guys and yet they they ended up pulling it off. So it, it that'll be how they do it.
1: And man, other than like the Campbell trade, looks to be a bit of a stroke of genius. Frankly, oh, like he's saved them this season. Where would they be without him? Right. And and was good last year when he played. It's just COVID yeah. came around pretty quickly, and he only got seven or eight games. But I mean, he he looks like a legit guy that if he's healthy again, that could at least be splitting starts with with Anderson. Like that was the plan this year. Mm-hmm. That's why I like I have trouble being critical of them. Like their plan was to have more of a balance between their top two to have Arendell and then Michael Hutchinson like that. That was a reasonable plan. It's just that it's all gone to, you know, you make a plan and God laughs. Well, God's laughing right now at the Leafs goaltending situation.
0: Oh, he's, he's chuckling. That's for sure. Uh, (laughs) He's like Hutchinson (laughs) back in the mix. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: You you mentioned that top six forward, which might seem to be the more likely move. I think they'll probably try and make Um, Taylor Hall. What's the fit there? Because it is that has been the groundswell on on twitter that we've seen in the past uh, i would say ever since buffalo cratered he seemed like from what i've heard and this is my little insider contribution to this is he wants to be a leaf like he, he that that's his main priority of where he wants to go Cap situation with retained and you know maybe waiting right up until the deadline so his cap is prorated as low as possible maybe you can make something work swing it Kerfoot's three point five or prorated whatever goes out the other way you'd think so where do you where do you see him fitting on this team and or even just the likelihood of potentially them swinging and getting them it makes sense for a lot of reasons you know. The fact Taylor's got a house here. Yeah. I do think he wants to win, as
1: we mentioned. Like, I think he wants to be on a good team. He wants to play with good players. We well, can click all those boxes playing for the Leafs. I, but I don't know that, that the Leafs feel that they need that exact guy. Like, like my sense is they want someone that's a little sort of grittier. Like, like obviously, with skill. But I think that they'd like a player that's maybe a bit edgier if, is in, if they could perfectly dictate this market. Now, the good news is they can't, or good news, the, the, the truth is they can't necessarily dictate the market. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that Hall's precluded. You know, I think that they're of the mind that they have to, okay, we have these assets we're willing to spend. We have this cap space. We got to get the best absolute player. And I think it's reasonable to, to think as we get closer to April 12th, that he's the best player they could get that mm-hmm. would fit a hole. I mean- if you think of a left winger, they like they've had, like I, at this point, I'm almost maybe going to play left wing on that yeah. second line. So, which is really bad for Nylander and Tavares. Like that's really bad.
0: Look, Gouch is uh, like, it goes to my next point. I'm like Gal- Is Gouch that guy? He's looked really, or I guess Chucky. I don't know. Like he's these two nicknames. Uh, he's Gouch. Okay. That's the nickname I'm, I'm sticking with here, but he has looked very good and potentially looks like the, maybe the top six forward they were, they were looking for. Like, is it worth maybe, Oh, there's the two sides here. Taylor Hall's price has never been lower. Like, he, you you are not going to have to give up a first-round pick for him. The Sabres don't even have a scouting staff, so you probably won't have to give up. Like, in terms of picks, they probably want prospects over that, uh, over, over actual draft picks. And then, like... You're, he's never been lower like a, getting a guy getting a guy who won the heart in what 2017 even though it's four years later like he's still a productive player getting him for for that and adding him onto onto a team that already has the offensive firepower they do seems great but then again if you can if you can slot Alex, a, a motivated Al Galchenyuk who was fighting for his goddamn life the last little bit into this and he's making between the like passes to set up you know game tying goals and whatnot and you only traded, what, like, David Worsowski and Igor Korshkov for him? Like, that seems like pretty tidy business to me.
1: Yes. I mean, the process of that trade, no matter what happens to Galchenyuk between now and whenever mm-hmm. he's not a Leaf, was what well, gets hard to – it's it's, there's, it's impossible to to even criticize. I mean, if anything, they open a contract slot they, to take on – to to sort of spin the ball in the Powerball lottery – and but they gave Galchenyuk a month to get comfortable, work with their people, those that stint with the Marlies. And then, you know, I think have realistic expectations. Look, they played them with decent players like they're not yeah. saying go on the fourth line and play seven minutes. And if you don't score, you, you know, you're gone, um, which is kind of the treatment. He got a little bit in Ottawa. Um, you know, he just didn't fit in with their team. I, I think he has been a fit. But, but look, maybe you get another top six forward and maybe Galchenyuk and that forward are your new top line left wings. Like, like it may be, then you're playing Thornton continually down the roster. You can play Hyman on the third line. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if there's anything we've learned about Sheldon Keefe, like nothing's really said anyway. Oh, so yeah. I feel like giving him another option in addition to Galchenyuk, that doesn't mean you're not saying anything bad about Galchenyuk. He could still go in that spot Uh in the, when you're chasing a goal, there's still, you know, the, you can move things around the way Sheldon often does. And so, it's possible that hook Elchenyuk's the guy. I mean, he looked really good. I think in about three of the four games he's played. He's he's skates well, he's getting in on the four check, and he's still got some offensive creativity hands and and he's
0: still got a good shot. We haven't you know hasn't scored yet, but mm-hmm. I think that's only a matter of time too. Wow. And I mean he also like that gritty player that he was looking for, like he's he's engaging. He looks to be a guy who has made that a focal point in maybe his progression, is that he wants to add sort of a physical element to his game. He's a bigger guy. Like, it, he could kind of fit that that role and for a cost, you know, definitely a, a cost-prohibitive uh, move that brought him to the team.
1: Well, and, there, you know, he was broken, frankly. Like, yeah. he played for, whatever, three teams last year and then went to Ottawa for a handful of games and then gets traded to Carolina. They say, don't even move. Like, you're not coming to us. Like <laughs> We're, we're going to trade you again. Then he passes through waivers. The whole league passes on him. I mean mm-hmm. – I don't care who you are. That would be humbling as it is when you're not that far removed from
0: being a you know, third like a overall 40, pick.
1: Right. Third overall pick. at then he had a 40 point season, I think two years ago in Arizona, like he was very clearly an NHL player two mm-hmm. years ago in, by, in terms of production. Uh, really. It, it was last season where everything started going wrong. He got injured, got on the wrong side of it. You know, had trouble getting a contract in the off season, thought Ottawa was going to be a good fit never was basically blackballed from the start once he got there, whatever. I'm sh- Look, he,
0: wait he really? carries
1: some, like, like the, I think he, I'm pretty sure he's a healthy scratch right out of the gate. Like he never even, Oh he just yeah. Never got going there. Sorry. I don't mean blackballed. Like, I just mean like they never really made him feel like he was part of their team, mm. you know? And, and, and again, I I'm sure he's played a role in this. Like, I'm not saying he's a victim of all these. So I, it's not all these teams that didn't want him to work. It's yeah. just that, you know, his career started sliding through his hand pretty quickly. And I think it was hard on him emotionally. I think that that's the beauty is the Leafs are building up his confidence. Right. And, you know, I don't I know. think they're expecting too much of him. They're trying to play him. They're trying to put him in situations to succeed. You will not hear Sheldon Keefe, even if behind the scenes, he's not happy with something you, I, I guarantee you, you won't hear him publicly rip him at any point.
0: Oh, Because I know.
1: they understand the key here is getting the confidence back in that player. And, and, I, I think it's really smart. I, I think more teams should do stuff like this. Like, yeah, we all acknowledge it. Like, maybe he's just done. Like, maybe it's over, but you have to give it a fair chance and have a plan and stick to the plan to see it's worth it. I mean, he's making a million bucks, just a little bit over. I mean, mm-hmm. if if he can play at all, like, that's a bonus. Look around the league, how many guys make a million and, and have anywhere close to the pedigree. There's one, and it's him. So, yeah you know, that isn't, you know, in the Spets, uh, Thornton class where, you know, Corey Perry, whatever guys at the yeah. very end that are just, you know, being cat friendly to their team. So um, yeah, great. I think it's a great decision to bring him in and, and you're right. It's only four games and let's not, it's like Ron Wilson said, don't build the statue for James or <laughs> after a couple wins, oh like way God. back when, let's not build the statue yet or say for sure, for sure anything, but like it's trending. It's not crazy to think that he he's playing in the top six when the games matter.
0: True. And I guess last question before I, I let I let you go. Be free. And this is this is the real kicker, the real one that the fans want to know. How pissed was Dubas about losing Boyd and VC on waivers to the same team to Vancouver? Do you think that really stuck in his craw? I don't think so. I don't know, I mean, man. Maybe Boyd over VC.
1: My mm. sense of VC was that that was inevitable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like like they knew he was going on waivers two weeks before he did, if that makes sense. Like it just was clear he hadn't grabbed onto a spot in the lineup. They knew that the cap challenges were coming as Simmons was coming back from injury and and Campbell at the time and whatever. And so I I think that they were resigned to losing VC. Boyd, I mean, I think they knew he would go, but. That was a shame, man. He was good. It is a shame, I suppose. But like, this is what they were signed for too. Like Mm. you're signed to try to be a cheap fill in and, but you're also kind of like shrapnel too. Like, (laughs) I mean, let's like I know I'm talking about human beings and it's their life and they now have to move across the country. I'm yes. not trying to be too cute about it, but, but like, like you're, they were expendable because you know for all the reasons at least you have to build around that, that core of high price talent. They have to do everything to protect that core and then everything else is, is movable to certain degrees. That's why you're going to hear Alice Kerfoot's name a bunch before April 12th. It just, it's why Johnson was traded. Kappen was traded. It's not like they didn't like these guys, but the realities of the cap suggest you, you just can't keep everyone. And so anyway, I don't think he, I honestly don't think he was that mad. I mean, they probably got a kick out of the fact, honestly, that Vancouver (laughs) took both of them. That's I saw some pretty funny comments on the, on Twitter that day.
0: Yeah. If anything that I think them laughing and getting a kick out, of it might've even been a better outcome than, them getting mad. Like that's just funnier to me that they, that they thought it was funny. But I, I I guess real last question, because you brought up VC, he was one of the more perplexing, Players, I think, to come through this in recent memory because he. This is a guy who was given legitimately every single opportunity to succeed. Like it's, it looked like it was weird. I don't, and this is branching off my question. Like it, he was brought in as a nine hundred thousand dollar guy. Like you know, one year clearly among that group of players who were not coming here for a ton of money. You know, going to be depth guys, and yet it seemed like from the first day they were they penciled him to the top six. They gave him you know, PP2 time. They gave him PK time. They tried to, they tried to funnel him into something that was, you know, something that worked. What, like, what was the rationale behind that? Why was Jimmy Vc like the guy?
1: Well, I think the easy answer is he's willing to come here for $900,000. Like at the time they signed, elsewhere? not at the time. I mean, we'd have to go back and we should go back and look at who was signed after. Like hmm. I actually believe Grandland was given the opportunity to come here on essentially that deal. And you know, he ended up getting two point something in Nashville. Yeah. You know, it just was so far below his market. Like I think they did talk to other players about coming in that role, but they only had that contract. Sort of the, the way their cap was. I mean, every dollar was sort of accounted for. And so, you know, they obviously thought it would work. It didn't, as, as yeah. you <laughs> rightly noted. You know, I don't think it was for lack of opportunity or even care from him. Like he moved here early. I know that he yeah. moved here in like October. And like, spent months before the season even started skating with the guys. And like, he starts on line two, he scores his opening night, right? Willie did mm-hmm. all the work where it hit the referee. Remember in the corner? I do remember it that, yeah. like, But you know, it was a goal you or I could have scored. But like, whatever, you scored in your first game, you, you know, it just takes that pressure off. But for whatever reason, it didn't get going. He had at least three or four animated conversations on the ice after practice with either Sheldon Keefe or, or Manny Mahotra. Like, when I when I say animated, it's just like he was clearly frustrated. Like it just mm-hmm. it wasn't working for whatever reason. Either he didn't fit with what they wanted, or what have you. You know, but I, I almost think nothing nothing venture, nothing gain. Like if you sign, and the you are going to do this again. Like yeah, they're going to sign four more guys next year for league minimum or nine hundred grand, and and they're going to have to try to work them in um and they're not all going to work but like I still think it's worthwhile that he was their worst signing of last offseason and he still got picked off on waivers you know the one time he was on there like I think that says some good things about their process and you know you you lose you lose VC it doesn't work well then you get Galchenyuk and it appears to be working and and you know, this is just sort of I think this will just be the name of the game unless they ever trade one of those big money players, and then they're gonna have more and then then they can really build the team differently. But as long as they're built this way with with that kind of top end, everybody else will just be cycled through. Don't buy a jersey
0: from the fourth line. yeah, good call unless it's like a spezza. then that yeah, that's worth it, I think,
1: you know? yeah. The, like we didn't even talk like Spetza's season to me is like one of the great Remarkable. sort of I mean, everyone gives him love on Twitter. So he's getting like people are noticing. but like, I think he
0: has 19 points in 32 games, playing 10 minutes a night. Like, that's unreal production. Like, he also, he's not get these aren't just like, you know, uh, you don't look, he, he's not one of those players where you look down the sheet and you go, oh, he's already got like two assists, like second period. Like, I don't have to know this guy at all. He's looking good. His shot is still wicked. Like, he, he's finding guys.
1: I find, like, he's not fast, but he's a good skater too. Like, it's funny because the skating be. was always a knock on him when he was like an elite player in the league. If he's top ten, I think, in points per hour in the in the NHL right That's now. That's crazy. Like, with, with guys that have played like a meaningful number mm-hmm. of minutes, you know, and it's you're right. Here's, the point is, he's not playing with Matthews and Marner and getting second assists by like outletting the puck and then just watching them, you know, yeah. dance magic. Like it, it feels legit, and it it's just such a cool story because he had to really stick with it last year. You know, with Mike Babcock, everything went at the start. You know, I think he's had like a lot of crap going on off the ice. Like, just it's just cool to see him grind through and. Have this work, and I, you know, I assume he's back next year. I mean, you would you would hope so. I, I think that both sides are getting a lot out of the the, the relationship, so
0: why mm. wouldn't you continue it? What's your sense of Thornton being back next year?
1: It's a tougher one for me, you know. Mm. I I think it's definitely where I, I could see it happening, but I'm a little less certain just because he's older. Yeah, like you know, and this is a big one. So it almost sounds laughable to some listeners, but like if they win the cup, it might change too, right? Like maybe maybe one or both of those guys would want to just go out on top and be like, peace, that was awesome. Um, But, you know, I I think if if we were setting Vegas odds, like if if David Amber wanted to bet on this, I I would have, (laughs) I I would say it's more than likely he's back next year at the Leafs. But like, it wouldn't be like a huge favorite. Like it would, I don't know how you'd adjust that odd. But, you know, let's face it, the last stretch of games here haven't been great for Thornton. And so maybe Mm -hmm. I'm being a little bit influenced by that um, but I look I, I don't see him bouncing around to five teams at the end of his career so yeah you know like at one point actually Jason Spetson told me this and like I haven't because I haven't seen him in person in a year yeah. maybe this has changed. <laughs> but like he did say like I didn't like basically it was Toronto or bus for him at this point like yeah you know but again that could always change because then you get maybe he has this kind of season you know, maybe someone really, someone else wants to sign him next year. Like, I can't say for sure he'll never play anywhere else, but I see both these guys probably retiring as Leafs, and I, I think they'll be back one more year.
0: Chicken soup for the soul, I think, for a bunch of Leafs fans. So we'll leave it on that. Thank you so much for joining me, especially on a Leafs game day. That was awesome to break down the trade deadline. I can't wait to see if these predictions that you made come, come to fruition or if they don't, because this is going to be a very weird deadline. I don't know what it's like you know, from the corporate side on your end about preparing for it, but... There's going to be a lot to kind of look for, I think, in the next little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm still optimistic it'll there'll be more movement than seems to be out there, though. Like, there's still like the human emotion of like this is the last chance to get yourself better. Like, it's true. I was a bit of a last minute student in my student days, but on the night before the test, yeah. I always studied. Exactly. exactly. I, cr- I crammed the hell out of it, but I think some GMs are going to cram the hell out of this deadline and like and give us
0: something to talk about April 10th, 11th, and 12th. I man, I really really hope so. Just from entertainment perspective, you got to think so. And I guess before you go, let us know about the runs you're doing because that's a huge thing. You made it through all the wings. You got this camera, this camera, this camera. Tell the people what you're working on. <laughs> ha, ha. Uh
1: yeah, I'm, I'm so I've been running every day. Mm-hmm. I'm coming up on my year-long uh, doing, going right around the globe every single day for a year. And so on April 29th is when I get to 365. I'm going to run a marathon distance that, that day. That's incredible. 42.2K on the Lakeshore in Toronto. I'm raising money for a Conquer COVID-19 charity here out of Toronto. Just a group of people that got together, all just volunteers when COVID hit and found a way to you know find some solutions. They're still at it, so I'm trying to get some more money in their pockets to do good. and And really, it's just keeping me honest, too, because um, you know, I mean, I was going to get, I was going to get through the year, but then I started thinking like, it'd be cool to finish with a marathon. Like how bad oh, yeah. would that be? That'd be but, awesome. then I, but then if I didn't like say it out loud or something, like I could run 30 K that day and not quite get the 42 and be like, you know what? I'm pretty good. Call my wife and come home. But now, now it's sort of like, you gotta I have go. to do it. And honestly, I'm feeling pretty good. Like, cause so I've had to ramp up my long runs since announcing mm-hmm. this cause I'm actually have to do it. And I did 28K yesterday and felt great. So um, I think I'm on, I'm, I'm on my way. And today was day
0: 334 in a row. So I'm three, yeah, 334. Incredible. If you can, my, look, I, I ran the, the 42, I think 42.5 or something that it was last summer. If you can do it in under four hours, which is, I, mine was like four hours and two minutes or something. Salute to you, my friend. That was, that was tough.
1: Well, many years ago, I ran the Chicago Marathon in three hours and fifty-three minutes, I think.
0: So Damn. showing me up just like that. Wow.
1: No, but I mean, come
0: on, you could do it. You're still young. You got lots of time to better your time, but as long as you don't shred your knee again. Um, <sighs> yeah, I ran twenty. I, I did like a Terry Fox-esque kind of run the other day because I'm still still feeling the effects. I did twenty-six K the other day on 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 a bum knee, and Rachel just reamed me out for that. She was not happy about it.
1: Yeah, I think that's terrible decision making. But I'm not a doctor, so you I, know I, I'm not. Uh, it's true. I can't tell you for sure. But like that's the other thing. It's funny because a lot of people said, "Well, why do you want to run every day?" And I was like, "It works for me." Like I'm not it's saying fun. anyone else, but I'm not saying everyone else should do that. Like I like the discipline of it. I like doing it. It just become. It's honestly at this point, 300 days in, it's like as natural as brushing my teeth. Like I honestly yeah. sometimes don't think about it. I just get up and put on my gear and go. So I like that. That that kind of pace but not everybody would want to do that and fortunately i haven't been hurt
0: yeah fortunately because you're smart and you don't run you know 30 kilometers every single day without any breaks or anything like you you no that's insane man you know how to do it you know how to do it correctly i mean i don't want to judge but come on no i mean you're not a dumbass like i am like let's be real because like it's all well and good if you do that for three days but if you can't run for the next hundred what what good was it exactly so it's, it's me going on walks at that point or limping around running. It's not, it's, it's not a good look. Let's just say that. So if anything, learn from my mistakes, follow CJ instead of me. I didn't, I didn't need to tell you that, but if you wanted to follow anyone's life advice, it's definitely, definitely no. CJ's and not mine. That's for sure. <laughs> but I,
1: I should say too, I don't know that I'm beating four hours on this man. Like, cause I, am not timing my runs nowadays, like, I've been going all without the watch and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I don't even re- like, I know I feel really good, but I don't know how fast I'm going or anything. So.
0: I think, you know what, if it's, if it's that, if you were feeling really good after 28K, then I think you're going to Wow, that's relative. No, but, no, but I mean, like, for, (laughs) like, I wasn't, I wasn't sad that I didn't have to do the other 14 when I was ending, you know, I was like, (laughs) okay, that's enough. That was good. Like to put in perspective, I, after that 26K that I did and, and keep in mind, like I'd been, I hadn't, I would do like at least 10,000 steps walking every single day since then. But like in terms of running, I was hungry and I didn't have anything to make. And I was, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go order a burrito. It's right across the street, but I have to go down the elevators. And I was so tired and just fried. I'm like, it's not worth it. I'm just going to Uber eat something like that's So if you were feeling better than that, after the run that you did, I think you're going to be fine. Don't worry. I went to Leafs practice after, so I was okay. Okay. God, are you kidding me, man? You, you actually like contributed to society after that I was like hyperbaric chambers. So you're going to be fine. You're going to be good. Don't worry. Yeah, it actually made me
1: run beyond the Leafs practice ring and back downtown, and then I had to shower, get in my car, and go to the Leafs
0: practice ring. You should have just run there, use the facilities. Be oh, in, a, in, a, in a COVID-esque world, you could have just joined the boys. It would be fine.
1: I mean, I guess I'm kind of like, I'm talking about this, but like I think I like a of a loser I would look like showing up to the other media people, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I just <laughs> ran here, you know? Like, it looked <laughs> like such a an ass so no
0: <laughs> you have the aerodynamic like helmet even on and all that yeah be, it would, be it would have been more convenient for me to do that but I would yeah. have looked like a jerk so I didn't want or, to do that or you could have just shown them all up you could have looked like a legend either one dude
1: I'm middle-aged even when I'm running I don't look that impressive so <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right well on that note I'll let you go do your your wonderful job thank you so much for joining me uh, these are always fantastic and I cannot wait to radio you in multiple different ways from this episode
1: Perfect. Good luck with the thesis, Rachel.